Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Grant. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, if you've not already, you can pick up a copy of my ebooks, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo, and All I Needed to Learn I Learned from Dragnet. Each uh, book follows the careers and histories of seven great fictional detectives and policemen and life lessons that can be learned from them. They are available as ebooks or as audiobooks through audible.com or the Apple Store. And you can find all my books, audiobooks, and ebooks at store.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Follow Vance. The original air date, November 29th, 1949, and the title is The Thundering Murder Case. But Uncle David... Now listen, Wanda, stop interrupting me and let me finish. I didn't call you on the telephone to listen to you. Your husband has walked out on you and it's a good thing. I'll buy him off so that he'll stay away and never come back. That's the least I can do for my niece. And another thing. Oh, hold the phone, there's somebody at the door. Wait a minute. People, people, if they aren't annoying you, they're interrupting you. Well? Uh, Mr. Wilkins, I made you some soup, and I thought you'd like you to You thought me to? That's a fine thing. Serves me right. I say good morning to my neighbor once, and she thinks she can barge in here any time she likes. Well, I wasn't barging in, Mr. Wilkins. I knocked. It's raining. I know you won't go out, so I wanted to see if you'd like some of the soup I made. Soup you made. Soup you made. You said all that when you knocked on the door, and I opened it. Yes. I was talking to my niece on the telephone, and you interrupted me. But I... For no reason. I don't want any soup. I hate soup. Oh, all right, but I... But didn't... nothing. Now get out of here and stay out. Can't a man have some privacy in his own apartment? Well, certainly, but all I Goodbye. Did... Now, you listen to me, Wanda. Better still, you come over here right away, and I'll tell you the rest of what I have to say in person. I know it's pouring, but you won't get too wet. Better hurry, though, while I still feel like helping you. What a night this is. Really, a night for a murder. Night for a murder. <laughs> Markham, you know all about my uncle's death that I can tell you. I called the police when I heard the shot over the telephone as he was talking to me. I know, Mrs. Taylor. Sometimes my job as district attorney isn't so very pleasant like now. Now, there are several things you can tell me about your uncle that might help us find out who killed him. Well, I... Oh, Vance, come in. Vance, this is Mrs. Wanda Taylor, niece of the man who was murdered. It was his death I asked you to come down and help investigate. Hello, Mrs. Taylor. My deepest sympathies. Thank you. Lawrence, this is the situation. Mrs. Taylor's uncle, David Wilkins, was talking to her on the telephone when he was interrupted by a neighbor, a widow living next to him. 
He had made him some broth, but he didn't want any. And he returned to the telephone. We have her testimony to that effect. I see. Have you anything to add to that, Mrs. Taylor? No. I was talking to my uncle when I heard a shot over the telephone. And our connection was broken immediately. When the phone dropped to the floor, Vance, it smashed part of the mechanism. Understandable enough. You called the police from your telephone, Mrs. Taylor? Yes. They said to meet them at my uncle's place, and I did. It didn't take long, and when I arrived, the policeman was already there. The officer on the beat heard the shot, ran up, and found Mr. Wilkins was still alive. Wilkins said he didn't know who shot him. All he knew was that he was talking on the phone to his niece when his killer walked in. And that, I imagine, is all we know about the case. Yes. Mrs. Taylor, what were you talking to your uncle about? Well, I don't think that's any of your... Mrs. Taylor... It was personal. Very personal. Let me remind you that so is murder. Well, my husband walked out on me three days ago. My uncle was saying it was a good thing, that he was going to buy him off. Your uncle had money. A lot. And I was his only living relative. I'm sorry, but he had two heirs. Oh, I told you, I... I know what you said, but you are still married and your husband automatically owns half of what was left you, unless otherwise specified in a will. Oh... I think the first thing we ought to do is find this husband of yours, Mrs. Taylor. Before we find the murderer, Vance? It's quite possible, Markham, that when we find Mr. Taylor, we'll also be apprehending Mr. Wilkins' killer at the same time. While the police comb the city to try to find him, I, police officials, believe the killer of David Wilkins will be apprehended shortly, although they admit they have little... Turn that darn thing off, will you, Betty? All right, George, you don't get excited. I'm not excited. No, you always yell like that. What's the matter? Are you unhappy because you're packing the niece of that dead guy? No. I don't know what the matter is. You got something to gripe about. I got something to gripe about. I came here to your new apartment this morning, worked all day marketing because the stores wouldn't deliver. I cleaned this place for you. You're complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it easy, Betty. Take it easy. If you're tired of doing anything else. Georgie, what's the matter with you? You want to go back to your wife. Is that it? That isn't it, and you know it. If I never see Wanda again, that's okay with me. I'm nervous. I want to get out of here. I think the cops might come looking for me. What for? You didn't kill our uncle, did you? Now, look, I'm going to leave town. I'll be a good kid and throw some of my things in the bag for me, will you? How long are you going away for? Not long, just till this blows over. Mm. Okay, I'll help you. How many shirts you want? Two or three. I'll grab a light and buy some stuff if I need it. Okay. Why don't you get on the phone get a train reservation? Go by bus. Okay, go anywhere you like. Only Georgie... Yeah, what is it? Don't forget to come back. Yeah. These shirts, that ought to be... What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing at all. Well, listen, uh, What are you going to do when I'm away? Run back with, uh, with Johnny Dan? I... I don't know. Depends on how long you stay away, Georgie. What's the matter with you? You act like you found a bottle of poison or something in my dresser drawer. Poison, Georgie? Yeah. Maybe you better not leave town because maybe I found something a whole lot more deadly than that. Hey, you're in great shape, Mr. Dale. I can't hardly lay a glove on you. 
You you learned me good, Sammy. Yeah? I was 20 years younger. Maybe I could be a professional. Yes, yeah. surely no. you wouldn't want That's to scrap in the ring. That's how That's I started. It. Now look at me, broken down ex-pug who keeps guys like you in shape. I take care of you, don't I? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. No complaints. Uh, oh, hey, wow. Uh, you thank uh, me with that one. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Hold it, Sammy. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> Glad to hold it, Mr. Dale. Glad oh. to do it. Hey, you better throw that rope over your shoulders. When you open that door, it might be a draft. Good idea, Sammy. Very good idea. Hello, Johnny. Betty. Betty, baby, come on in. Yeah. Johnny, I better talk to you alone. Sure, sure, Betty. Hey, Sammy, scram, will you? Yeah, sure, Mr. Bell. What's going on, Betty? What's got you so upset? Johnny, I need help. I, I want a favor. You, you're coming back to me? No. No, Johnny, not right now. Don't ask me to come back. I'd like to come back by myself. Because if I ever come back that way, I'll stick. Well, you got something there, Betty, baby. Okay, I won't press it. Uh, tell me what's on your mind. Johnny, you know anything about the killing of that David Wilkins guy yesterday? If only what I read about it, why? Well, this Wilkins was talking to his niece when he was killed. His niece is married to a guy named Taylor, only he walked out on her a couple of days before. Yeah? That's the guy I'm running around with. Him. Well, that's a nice, pretty picture. Where do I fit in it? You fit in like this. Hey, kid, that gun. Put it away. No. What do you want to point a gun at me for? Oh, I'm sorry. Here, I, I want you to take it. Wilkins was killed with a thirty-eight. Here's a thirty-eight I found in this guy Taylor's dresser drawer. One shot's been fired. Take care of the gun for me, Johnny. So that's the pitch, huh? Yeah. Your boyfriend knocked off the uncle, stashed the gun in his dresser, and you found it. Yeah. You found it, and you bring it to me to see that it gets lost. You got a lot of nerve, Betty. I got a lot of confidence, Johnny. You'll do it for me, won't you? I don't know. I'm not sure. This sticks me in the middle of something that ain't my business. You know that. I don't want that gun kicking around. This boyfriend of mine wanted to blow town, only I talked him into staying for a little while. But he wouldn't know how to duck a hot rod, and you would. Yeah, yeah, I'd know. Cops looking for this new guy of yours? Not that we know of. Only he's afraid of something. Well, he ought to be afraid of me. After all, he took my girl away. He didn't take. She went to him. I guess that's right. Well, okay, Betty, baby. I'll take the gun. Oh. And I'll get rid of it. You've got a big heart, Johnny. And a soft head. Imagine me making sure a guy don't take a murder rap so that my girl can still have him. Mrs. Taylor, our purpose here in your apartment is not to ply you with questions or to make you uncomfortable. You understand that. I know, Mr. Burns. You haven't announced it to the papers, but we're trying to find your husband. So far, we haven't had any luck. Oh? That's the reason Sergeant Heath is inside searching your bedroom. I understand. He's looking for something that might give you an idea as to where my husband might be. Exactly. Excuse me just a moment. Certainly. Find anything, Heath? No, not yet, Burns. We're still looking. Keep at it, please, Heath. Don't worry. Now, Mrs. Taylor, I want to know anything that you can tell us that might be a clue as to where your husband is. I haven't any idea. I've given you his picture. I've told you I'm pretty sure there's another woman involved. Naturally, I wouldn't know who she is. Naturally. I want to thank you for being so honest with us. 
I don't Vance, know. Vance, I found the gun. What? I found the murder gun. What? Here it is, Vance. A thirty-eight. One bullet missing. What? I'll bet my badge is the murder gun. Chances are you're right. Well, where did you find that gun? Listen to her. Where did I find that gun? Yes. I found it where you tried to hide it what? after killing your uncle in a hat box back on a closet shelf. Somebody planted it there. I never saw that gun before. Somebody put it there, I tell you. Oh, sure. Oh, Vance, tell him I couldn't have killed my uncle. Tell him I was talking to him on the telephone when he was shot. Tell him that gun must have been planted. You don't have to tell me. I know from the dying man's own testimony that he was talking to you on the phone when he was shot. Oh, well then. Look, all I know is I got a gun here that looks to me like the murder weapon. And Vance, I got a right to take Mrs. Taylor here downtown. I'm not stopping you. I'm stopping myself. I don't know how she could have done it. And you know something? I don't care. All I know is I've got the gun, and I'm pretty sure it's the gun that did the job. Well, all i got to do is find out who fired it. Well, it wasn't I. You know, I couldn't have fired it. We do, Mrs. Taylor? Yes. I don't agree with that at all. Well, well, now I'm mixed up good. What am I supposed to do now, Vance? Take the gun to headquarters and check it, of course. And what are you going to be doing all that time, Vance? Trying to find two things, Mrs. Taylor. Yes? One is your husband, and the other is a way that you might have murdered your uncle. Take a look, Sergeant Heap. Yeah? The uh, bullet we fired out of the gun you found in Mrs. Taylor's place. And the bullet we took out of the body of her uncle are both under this microscope. Take a look. Sure, I'll take a look. It was the idea of me bringing you those two bullets. Hmm. Hmm. Markings are pretty close, wouldn't you say? Close? No, they're not close, Sergeant Heap. Fine guy we got in charge of the police laboratory. I'm looking at the two bullets. I see the markings, and he says they're not close. I looked at them, too, you know, when I set the microscope for you. And you still say those markings are not close? They're not close at all, Sergeant Heath. They are identical. Without any question, the gun you found in Mrs. Taylor's apartment is the gun that murdered her uncle. <laughs> This is District Attorney Markham. The thundering murder case opened with the finding of the body of David Wilkins, killed during a rainstorm in his apartment. Investigation proved that he was talking on the telephone to his niece, Wanda Taylor, at the time of his death. And Mrs. Taylor's husband was missing. Philo Vance believes that Taylor might be an important factor in this case, and so do I. But while we're searching for him, Sergeant Heath has found the murder gun in Mrs. Taylor's apartment. Vance and I are in my office, and here's the Despite the evidence of the gun in Mrs. Taylor's place, Markham, I still want to find George Taylor, her husband. And for a very good reason, Vance. Mrs. Taylor couldn't possibly have killed her uncle. Even though she did gain appreciably to his death, he left everything to her. Yes, I know. But I don't agree that she couldn't have killed him. At the moment, I don't see how she could have done it, but it's possible she might have. Everything is possible, of course. There certainly is nothing to support the theory that she's guilty, Vance. I agree with that, too. And I know you agree that we ought to do something about finding George Taylor. Uh, this is the photograph Mrs. Taylor gave me. Yes, I've seen it. Taylor was quite good-looking. Perhaps too good-looking, Markham. But I don't care half as much what he looks like as I do where he is. There's nothing in the photograph that would tell us that. No. I just noticed something. Look at what's on his lapel. 
That emblem? Mm -hmm. That's an indication that he's a member of some kind of a club or an order of some sort, isn't it? Yes, that's the roster club emblem. Roster club? Yes. Let me see now. Taylor doesn't know we're looking for him, does he? Why, no. You asked me not to tell that from the newspapers. Good. Now, so far as Taylor knows, his wife never indicated to us that he walked out on her. Therefore, there'd be no reason for him to be in hiding, would there? Oh, I see what you're getting at. I'm sure you do. If Taylor belongs to the roster club, and apparently he does, inasmuch as he wears the emblem in his lapel, he's probably an active member, there's no reason why he wouldn't attend a meeting, is there? None that I know of. In fact, the chances are he would attend a meeting just to keep up appearances, just so nobody would suspect that there was any reason he didn't attend. Reasons such as a split-up between him and his wife. <laughs> Vance, I think you've done it again. I think your logic has enabled us to find Taylor. You know, it sounds incredible that sitting at this desk with me, you could indicate where a missing man might be. I should have used that logic yesterday. <laughs> then perhaps he wouldn't have had a chance to plant that gun in his former apartment, if he planted it. Well, what's our next step? Check the roster club. Find out when their next meeting's to be held. And at its conclusion, you and I will be waiting outside to pick up George Taylor. Look, Georgie, everything is all right. I'm sure it is. Oh, you're sure it is? Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's all I need. Thanks, Betty. I'm glad you're sure. I'm not. I still think I should have gotten out of town. But why? Nobody's after you. You could stay here. Oh, sure. Sure. But sooner or later, that wife of mine is going to tell the police I walked out, and they'll come looking for me. Oh, no, they won't, darling. Oh, Yeah. And if they do, they won't find anything. Why don't we go to the movies, huh? No. Well, we could take a walk, maybe. I don't want to walk. Then what do you want to do? I'm not sure. You know, uh, there's a meeting in my club tonight. I ought to go show my face. Well, then why don't you? I don't know what I want to do. I'll make up my mind. All I'm sure of is that whatever I decide to do, it's going to be the wrong thing. Almost 11 o'clock, Markham. That roster club meeting ought to be breaking up any minute now. You could have gone into the club rooms to see if Taylor was there. Yes, but this way is just as easy and a whole lot less conspicuous. We'll stay here in my car and spot our man when he comes out. If he comes out. Vance, I can't help feeling that there's someone else involved in this case that we don't know about. It's very possible. The one thing you know about a murder case is that anything is liable to happen. A murderer kills and does his best. Vance, look. There are men coming out of that building now. Look closely, Markham. We don't want to miss our man. Maybe we'd better get out of the car. This might be advisable. Let... Wait. There he is. You're right. What do we do now? Call his name. He'll come over here. Very well. Oh, uh, Taylor. George Taylor. He's looking around. Over here, Taylor. Here we are. Oh, me? So far, so good. He's headed this way. Uh, did you call my name? I, uh, yes, we did. Uh, get in, Mr. Taylor. Who are you? I'm District Attorney Markham. This is Philo Vance. We want to talk to you. Oh, no, you don't. I'm kidding. Wait a minute, Mr. Taylor. Running away won't do you any good. Now, look. The police would pick you up in a few hours. Right now, this is not an official invitation. But don't you think you ought to take a ride with us? I'm uh, pretty good with this punching bag, huh, Vance? Not bad, Dale. Oh, I suppose you could do better. I don't know. I haven't tried in years. Well, go ahead and try. Here, take a crack at it. Let's see you make a few tricks. All right, Dale. Well, you're all right. Thank you. 
Now let's see how all right I am at finding out what I want to know about you. I knew this wasn't a social call, but if it's business, Vance, you better talk to my lawyer. That's what I pay him for. I want to talk to you, Dale, not him. But I want you to listen. Oh, you do? Huh? Yes. What happens if I don't? If I were you, I wouldn't try to anticipate that possibility. You're tough, aren't you? Yes. Vance, remember, maybe you're pretty good with a punching bag, but a punching bag can't hit back. That's one of the reasons I gave up using it. Now, Dale, look. I think you're mixed up in the killing of David Wilkins. What's more, I'm going to... What were you saying before I rudely interrupted you? Never mind what I was saying before. Let me say one thing right now, and that's thanks. Thanks for giving me reason to do something I've wanted to do ever since I saw you. Get up, Dale. I'm pretty comfortable down here. Stay there, then, but tell me this. What do you know about the Wilkins murder? Nothing. Not a, not a thing. I... I never met the old guy. You know a girl named Betty Steele? Sure, I know her. Very well. What about it? He's going now with a man named George Taylor. Taylor's still married to Wilkins' niece. He picked him up last night, and he told us about Betty and you. If you framed Taylor, maybe you'd get your girl back. You know, you've got something there, Vance. I wonder why I wasn't smart enough to think of that. I wonder if you were. Markham, Sergeant Heath, you sent for me. Yes, come in, come in. Hello, Heath. Hi, D.A. What's up? Just heard from Final Vance. There's a list of people he wants you to round up and bring to his office this afternoon. Okay. Dale, Betty Steele, Big Johnny Dale, George Taylor. Where do I find Taylor? I'll give you his address. He gave it to us after we met him outside his club last night. Okay, Markham, I'll get the boys right on this. That all? Yes, Heath, only according to Vance. That'll be enough. I want to thank all of you for coming here to my office. Oh, it's nothing. Don't thank me. Cops practically dragged me here. I'll thank Sergeant Heath when he comes in for that. You, Mr. Taylor, yes, and Miss Steele. Yeah. I'm glad to see you both. Well, at least somebody's glad we're here. And Mrs. Taylor. I think I can promise you that your uncle's murder will be solved in a very few moments. I hope you're right, Mr. Baines. Begin with Dale. Yeah? Where were you the night Wilkins was killed? I'll help you. It was this Monday night at 8 o'clock. I knew you'd ask me that, Vance. Really? I was out at a driving range knocking out some golf balls. I like to keep in shape. Thank you. Miss Steele, where were you? I was watering the lawn in front of my own house. Mr. Taylor? I went out for a walk. Hi, Vance. Oh, come in, Sergeant Heath. Here's that report you asked for. I just got it from the bureau. Thank you, Heath. I have here a weather report for this territory on the murder night. Oh, Mrs. Taylor, I'm afraid I overlooked asking you where you were. You know where I was. I was at home talking to my uncle on the telephone when the shot was fired. Of course. Now, everybody listen. This weather report states that there was a thunderstorm Monday night. Yet Mr. Dale, Mr. Taylor, and Miss Steele all say they were doing things which they wouldn't be doing in the rain. Oh, Listen, I'm telling the truth. Just a moment. The thunderstorm I talked about took place only in a very small district. That isn't too rare a phenomenon with storms. Sometimes it rains on one block and not on the next. Sure, I've seen that myself. Thank you, Lee. Now, everybody, let me tell you all that the storm in this one particular neighborhood doesn't explode your alibis. It's possible you were all doing what you claimed. Oh, well, that's, that's nice. Mr. Vance, you promise you'd tell me which of these people killed my uncle. Which one did? One question more, please. Well, all right. Mr. Taylor. Yes, sir. You knew David Wilkins. Sure. 
Ever talk to him? Talk to him? Nobody could ever talk to him. All you could do was listen. The guy talked a blue streak. He never stopped. You couldn't get a word in edgewise once he started. That's true, Mrs. Taylor? Yes, I suppose so. Thank you, Mrs. Taylor. Thank you for telling me that you killed your uncle and how you did it. First of all, Markham, I got all our suspects together so that I could hear their alibis. None of them mentioned rain, therefore none of them was in the neighborhood of the murder when Wilkins was killed. Unless they were lying. People don't lie about their alibis, Markham. It's too easy to explode a lie, and a lie is much too definite an indictment against a suspect in the event that we prove his story false. Oh, I was sure they were all telling the truth. Uh, let's take that slow, huh? Very well. We know it was raining in Wilkins' neighborhood when he was shot. Yes. If any of the suspects were in that neighborhood, naturally they would have denied killing the old man, but they would have mentioned something about rain. Oh, they wouldn't know it wasn't raining in other sections of the city. I understand now, but Vance, Mrs. Taylor was on the telephone with her uncle when the shot was fired. She was at home. We're sure of that. Yes, but do you know where her home was, Markham? Less than a block from Wilkins' apartment. She told us that in your office right after the murder. That's right. What happened was this. Her uncle called her. She let him talk, ran over to his place and shot him, knowing that once he started, he'd talk for at least a minute and she could be there and back by then in time to call the police. Yeah. We know her motive, of course, but what about the murder gun? What happened to that? That was the only complicated part of this case, Markham. In making her confession, she said she followed her husband one day when she happened to see him on the street after he walked out. He went to his new apartment, and she broke in there later to plant the gun. Which was found later in her husband's apartment by his new girl. Right. Betty Steele found it, gave it to Johnny Dale. This Dale told me just a little while ago. You see, Betty thought that Taylor had killed Wilkins, so she wanted Johnny to get rid of the gun. Uh-huh. He, of course, planted it in Mrs. Taylor's apartment, where he found it. Well, that gun really did some traveling around, didn't it? Mm -hmm. No more than I did on this case. Only, I went in circles until I got all our suspects together. Funny how a situation develops, isn't it, Vance? Yeah. After all, this seemed like such an ordinary murder at the beginning. Yes, it did. And it turned out so unusual at the end of the thundering murder case. <laughs>
Welcome back. Well, one of the better stories we've heard with Philo Vance uh, recently. A lot of red herrings, and I have to admit there were a few things I liked about the solution. In particular, the idea that she knew she could get to the house and murder her uncle because he was going to be on the phone talking and filibustering and letting nobody speak anyway, so he wouldn't know that she had left to come and commit the murder. And actually, when I think about it, I think the title of this episode, The Thundering Murder Case, probably has less to do with the fact that the murder occurred uh, during a storm and the fact that the victim was always thundering. Also, it was kind of funny the way the gun, you know, was being moved back and forth uh, between locations, kind of like a hot potato. If I have one complaint about this episode, really, it's the fact that she only lived a block away was really important information. And I imagine she lived some distance away. The likelihood of her being the murderer would have been increased if I'd known exactly how close uh, she was. So not playing fair with the audience, but sometimes follow Ants does that. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have a comment on the website. This one is from Fred, and yeah, you can comment on episodes and things over at greatdetectives.net. Let me just briefly add that, because I know a lot of folks just do not like the idea of using social media. So if you want to comment on an episode, uh, you and you don't want to get on Facebook or Twitter, you can just go over to our website, greatdetectives.net. can also do the same thing from our Spreaker page. Slash plug. All right, back to Fred's comment. Fred uh, writes in regarding the deathless murder case. The murderer did make a dumb mistake. Captain John Smith was a dirty liar. He had no relationship with Pocahontas for the simple reason that she was a preteen. The things that Smith wrote are well known to be completely fictional. It's known today, but may not have been well known at the time of the show, especially to the general public. And of course, in that case, the man who was claiming be 400 years old claimed to know Captain John Smith. In fairness to Captain Smith, whose writing is the subject of some scholarly debate, Smith did not claim a romantic relationship with Pocahontas. He did claim uh, that they had a friendship and that she saved his life twice. The claim about a romance between Pocahontas and John Smith didn't really emerge until the 19th century a little less than 200 years after the fact. It definitely caught on as a cultural uh, legend in the United States, and I've seen a lot of media that has referenced it. Radio, television, movies, I mean, even the 1995 Pocahontas feature film included that element of romance uh, between uh, Smith and Pocahontas. And I think it's reasonable to say that writers of Philo Vance would not go beyond kind of surface-level views of the situation. They weren't going to do a deep dive uh, for historical accuracy. 
But thanks so much for the comment. Now it's time to go ahead and thank our uh, Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Dan, Patreon supporter since March 2016, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level, uh, $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Dan. And that will do it for today. A reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Spreaker, Amazon Music, at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives, or the Apple Podcast app. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help our channel grow. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance, but join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Oh, I didn't think it was as bad as that. I guess maybe I better tell her. I've been a friend of Art's for a long time. I'll see you later, Mr. Dollar. As I left the neighborhood, I noticed two police cars, so I knew Sergeant Wright's men were at work. I was in his office a little later when two of the men brought a witness in. This is Mr. Dollar, Mrs. Cole. How do you do? Mrs. Cole? It was nice of you to come in. Well, I thought it was my duty. The other policeman wanted to know if I was in my backyard near the alley when there was that shooting, and I was. Uh, How far from the Baldrick house do you live, Mrs. Cole? Oh, there's two houses between theirs and where I live. Those policemen told me they were looking for somebody who saw a man running down the alley. Well, I've got a garden out back, and that's where I was when I heard the shots. Now, I didn't see no man running, but I saw a car come from that way. Which way do you live from the Baldricks, Mrs. Cole? Down from them. South, it is. Uh, Did you recognize this car? No, no, I didn't. I I didn't see the man in it either, but it came from that way. Did you see anybody else in the alley at the time? No. At first, after I saw the car, I thought it was backfires. But then when I heard about the trouble... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.